Michael Jordan slams, Bugs Bunny jams, and the Looney Tunes stars hoop it up in Space Jam, the rim-rattling round ball romp that's one of the cleverest and funniest animation slash live action capers ever made. That's, that's not really saying much, there's only like maybe three or four. Jokes fly as the Toon Squad takes on the Nerdlux in a hardcore game, hard court. In a hardcore game to decide if the Looney Tunes remain here or become attractions at a far-off galactic off-ramp called Moron Mountain, the Nerdlux have a monstrous secret weapon. They've stolen the skills of top NBA stars like Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing and become monsters. And that's not all, folks. The Toon Squad's secret weapon just happens to be the finest player in this or any other universe. He's out of this world, so's the fun. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bottom of the bin. Talk about a movie now, let's talk about Space Jam. Is it good? Is it bad? Does it even really matter? No, it's Space Jam. Alright, let's, right. let's get this over with. Let's get this over with. Alright, it, it's not completely obvious. One of us has a fondness for this movie, and one of us does not. And uh, the obvious reason why is one of us grew up with this movie. And the other one likes to use his time wisely. Oh, grow up. When the world's greatest athlete, Michael Jordan, teams up with the world's best-loved cartoon character, Bugs Bunny, you won't believe your eyes. Space Jam, the 90s classic. Uh, what did you think? Just general thoughts on Space Jam. So, I saw this movie for the first time today, and I have now watched it twice. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say this movie was bad so much as it was tiresome. That's like synonym for bad. It wasn't bad, it was just rough. Okay, first of all, just I'm just stating a fact right now. Air Bud has a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. Space Jam has a 43% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, there shouldn't be much of like a critical sort of like putting these movies in different categories, but if you think about like the way people perceive these films, like people look back on Airbud as sort of this joke about what can happen when just sort of like a hypothetical joke gets greenlit in Hollywood. Like everyone just makes fun of that. What movie. if a dog could play sports? Exactly. Like it's it's a mocked movie all the time, whereas Space Jam ha is held as this uh, millennial cult favorite and this meaningful childhood cornerstone, which I guess if you grew up with it and you love the movie, that's fine, but there's nothing good about it. This will be one of those arguments that people will make. It's like, you have to be a 90s kid. Like, only 90s kids understand Space Jam. No, you saw it as a kid and you were completely blind to all of its flaws. So, based on the premise of this little talk thing that we do, this might tick a few people off because we're basically saying this movie is worth about like five bucks. I don't, yeah. 
Um, I mean, is that I'm what you're gonna... saying, Ben? You think this movie is only worth like five bucks? If that. How um, much did you pay for it? I paid five dollars. You paid five dollars for it. Yes. Where Where did you find it? Walmart. For many '90s kids, that would be considered a steal. Mm. There, well, there were a couple copies in there. Oh, oh yeah. dear! Any yeah. insult to injury there. <laughs> I'm not, and this isn't like I just wanted to say like this isn't me saying oh this movie sucks you shouldn't watch it. You can enjoy it every you want, and I still enjoy this movie. Uh, it's just like when you look at it critically, yeah. It sucks. And that's fine. I still enjoy watching really objectively terrible things, like Mike Myers' Cat in the Hat movie. Right. I, I get a hoot out of that. Yeah, my movie of that is, like, The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Yeah. Which, the thing about, like, those movies is at least they're about something. <laughs> and with Shark Boy and Lava Girl, is it was basically, if you look at how it was made, it was... Robert Rodriguez, his kids directed the movie, came up with the ideas, they wrote it, and then he just executed, like, his kids' ideas. And it has that kind of playfulness to it. Yeah, and it's just kind of like a thing about perception of movies and how that can often sort of distort our view of the movie with memory. Because, like, Space Jam it has some things going for it that stick out in our memories more than, like, thinking critically. So you, so, like, the legacy of Michael Jordan, Looney Tunes, Bill Murray. The movie is the sum of its parts. As a whole, it does not work. It has a lot of really appealing elements that work on a surface level. Things people know, just, like, just cram them all together. It and works. it also, like, it comes out in 96, which is a year after 95, which was Michael Jordan's famous return to the NBA. When he retired, he played baseball for a season. And then he had this big return, and it was a big thing that he came back. If you were a sports person in the 90s, that was apparently a big thing. I just know that because I just Googled that now. I was just about to guess, but that, I would be the same way. Because <laughs> when it comes to, like, sports, anyone right. has to be like, how do you play the sport? Oh, I've seen Space Jam. Basketball is the one where they, like, dribble and the nets are That's high, That's when they hit right? the ball up and down, right? Yeah, and then the nets are up high. We challenge you to a basketball game. Basketball it is. Basketball. Oh boy, oh boy. All right. What is basketball? What's that? Beats me. We didn't have I that in school. What? Now the movie is a cultural icon, or I would say it is if, it, if there weren't multiple copies in the Walmart <laughs> $5 bin. I, you know what I'll say about that? I think maybe the movie has faded out of the public conscience because we've been teased for years about Space Jam 2, and there still isn't an official release date. So it's kind of like when James Cameron teases about Avatar 2, and 11 years later, and we're still like, when's Avatar 2? Yeah. Warner Brothers presents Jordan, Bunny, Special Delivery. Together, they just might save the world. Space Jam, you've never seen anything like it. The script is just like, it's, even when it's with this standard of just a cash grab where the movie is a commercial. Come on, Michael, it's game time. Get your Hanes on, lace up your Nikes, grab your Wheaties and your Gatorade, and we'll pick up a Big Mac on the way to the ballpark. Like where Daffy Duck literally kisses his ass. <laughs> and of such are the exclusive property and trademark of Warner Brothers, Inc. It's like poorly structured because like, you could just move the scenes around and it still makes sense. Like, there's not a lot of, like, moving the plot forward. 
No, it's it, it's more just like the very basic structure. It is. feels a lot like they're trying to fill the ninety minute runtime. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll say this: like the basic plot is so this alien theme park needs. Maybe I'll just put in a soundbite of uh, Bugs Bunny explaining the plot. You see, these aliens come from outer space and they want to make us slaves in their theme park. Eh, what do we care? They're little, so we challenge them to a basketball game. But then they show up and they ain't so little. They're huge! We need to beat these guys, because they're talking about slavery. They're going to make us do stand-up comedy. The same jokes every night for all eternity. We're going to be locked up like wild animals and then trotted out to perform for a bunch of lowbrow, bug-eyed, fat-headed, humor-challenged aliens. Uh, what I'm trying to say is... We need your help! I'm going to read you an article from uh, Washington Post. 20 years later, Space Jam is the movie we never knew we needed. I didn't need it. <laughs> In the middle of training for his big comeback, the world's greatest basketball player switched between sweaty practice drills and conversations with a cartoon rabbit. The result of that balancing act, Space Jam, opened 20 years ago today. Looking back on the movie starring Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes gang now, few would have guessed its enduring appeal. Technologically impressive at the time, Space Jam has become a sort of nostalgic cultural phenomenon. Grown adults wear Space Jam basketball jerseys and pour over the movie's website, which yes, is still online in its original form. There are dedicated subreddits for remixes of the soundtrack and anticipation over a sequel rumored to be in the works. When the film first came out, most critics panned it, but Roger Ebert wrote, it's a happy marriage of good ideas. <laughs> Three films for the price of one. I feel like that's... <laughs> that just means that the script is incredibly disjointed. You know, maybe there is no intelligent life out there in the universe after all. So, I've seen this movie 30 times, which you mm -hmm. calculated means I've spent 45 hours of my life watching this movie. Yes. But in preparation for this, we thought, well, maybe we should listen to the commentary track. Because commentary tracks are usually very insightful, yes. behind-the-scenes little looks in the movie. Very informative. It's usually very interesting to hear a director talk about like why they made choices and why they did things in yeah. a way. And sometimes you'll even find if like I don't understand something in the movie, I'm like, why did they do it that way? And the director explains to like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and then you come out of the movie commentary track appreciating the yeah. art of filmmaking more. So this commentary track is done by uh, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Daffy Duck and director Joe Pitka. Now, the little, little asterisk there. It should say that it is Billy West and Dee Bradley Baker, who respectively voice Bugs Bunny and Daffy. Um, wait, wait, Bugs Bunny's not a real bunny? He's real in your heart. Okay. But yes, with characters like that on the commentary track, you, you'd assume this would be an enjoyable, entertaining experience. This is one of the most useless commentary tracks <laughs> ever. It's Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck every so often saying, Look at that graphics! Look at those <laughs> look at those graphics! And you can tell it's the voice actors just improvising. Which I believe I should fact check this before I say this. I believe it Bugs Bunny is based off of Groucho Marx. Okay. Um, who was known for like very quick witted I think he did a lot of his lines were improv, but they were very witty sort of insult puns in the Marx mm -hmm. Brothers movies, like and I think this doesn't portray that side of Bugs Bunny very well. This movie? No. And then Joe Pitka, the, the way it's staged, it's weird because you'll hear these footsteps come in on the recording, 
and then he'll start talking, and he just sounds like the most bored, apathetic man on the face of the earth. Hi, I'm Joe Pitka. I, I directed Space Jam. It's like the complete opposite of what you think. Yeah. Someone who directed this movie. So, so I and, and I googled him a little bit, and he's yeah. mostly like a commercial director. Yeah. Which makes sense because this movie is essentially a commercial for the Looney Tunes properties and Nike shoes. Cool shoes. It is a corporate industrial product. Like you looked it up, how much I looked Nike, it or how much the toys. Yeah. This movie made about $90 million at the domestic box office, uh, which at the time yes. is pretty good. $230 million worldwide, uh, still pretty good. Merchandising brought in more than $1 billion in retail sales. So that does yeah. not surprise me. And you know what? I remember when we went to see Cars 3, and I looked up the marketing behind the movie and how... You know, it doesn't really matter if the movie did well or not, because the movie on a corporate level is just, well, we have Cars Land at Disney World. We need something mm -hmm. to bring awareness to the brand back. Yeah. So I'm thinking that's what's going on in the executives' brains of this one is, well, Michael just finished his, he had a really good season, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Looney Tunes, those Nike commercials. Across the universe, people are asking, what fiend would steal Air Jordans? Oh, goody! More Air Jordans for me! Pebble Beach! This is no way for a pampered superstar to travel. What the? Shoes! And they're all mine! Give me those Air Jordans! No! Yes! No! Yes! No! Yes! No! No! And it, the visual language, there's a lot of, like, wide-angle shots. It's a very eye-popping movie. It I is, don't say I don't say that in a positive sense. I say it in a very neutral sense. It is catered to ADHD. Absolutely. He says in the commentary track that he's responsible for all the live-action scenes, which makes yeah. a lot of sense, because those are the most boring and uninteresting parts of the yeah. film. Well, my favorite thing that he said is he talked about, I can't remember what scene he talked about, he goes, this is some of the most, surprisingly, some of the most real stuff I've ever shot. <laughs> and that's not saying much when you direct McDonald's commercials. He goes on for a minute talking about the magic of film stock. <laughs> yes. You know, the thing that every movie is made of, as if, like, Wow, Space Jam is a real good example of it almost, using film stock to its full advantage. The thing is, is the way he talks was hilarious and it almost reminded me of like what makes Bill Murray hilarious. <laughs> it's just this monotone like it's it, you can't even like describe Bill Murray because he's such like a monotone guy, but and he, even what he says isn't necessarily always that funny. But something about him just is fantastic. Mike, I gotta ask you something. The NBA has to face reality. What's happening to these players is serious. They're gonna need new players with talent, guys who are skilled but never really thought about a professional career before. You think I got a shot? Bill Murray shows up for one scene. It's the scene where uh, they're playing golf with Larry Bird and Newman. I know his name is Wayne Knight, but he's Newman. And that's the scene where Michael Jordan gets sucked into the golf hole. <laughs> And then their immediate reaction is, I think Michael's okay. No, I'm sure he's fine. I think Michael's all right. Boy, I hate to leave him like this. Oh, I'm sure he's fine. I think he just had to get away from that Stan character. 
God, he's pathetic, isn't he? Which is because, you know, if they expanded that plot thread, it's mm -hmm. like, we gotta find Michael. Then that's a whole other, that's a whole like 30 minutes of script writing right there. Which as the commentary track, Billy West and Dee Bradley Baker, they're talking about how a lot of the script was just in the process. So yeah. a lot of their lines are improvised, and I'm thinking, yeah. oh, wow, this movie is improvised. Oh, I'm sure they were rewriting this while they were editing it after they had shot it. Yeah. You can see just how disjointed this movie is by just looking at the audio levels. Mm -hmm. So like, you see, like we're looking at our garage band monitor right now, and so you'll see when things get really loud, the lines get really yeah. long and big, big blocks. Like we have all the animated sequences, like the music is really big, the characters, there's a lot of big voices. And then you cut to live action, it's just like, it's quiet. Just, just, yeah. A lot of the lines are just almost inaudible. Mm -hmm. Like as a kid, I just did, I just tune out completely. Yeah, it's just very disjointed. It's only until the second half where it becomes just a giant Saturday morning cartoon, but even then mm -hmm. there's still no plot. And even when it's like a Saturday morning cartoon, I'm still just not, interested by because by then I've already died and I just like I just bring Bill Murray back he's the only good part of the movie he just shows up man you know what their explanation in the in the commentary is like his contract was for that golf scene right right just simple cameo but then he just decided on a whim to show up for the climax of the film dun, 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 dun! No Dan Aykroyd was in this picture. Hey, perhaps I could be of some assistance. And given how useless he is in that scene, it makes perfect sense. Pardon me, uh, Mr. Murray. Uh, something's really been bugging me. Yeah. Just how did you get here, anyway? The producer's a friend of mine. Just had a teamster come and drop me off. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, that's how it goes. I've heard people complain about Bugs Bunny's voice in this one. Doesn't sound like Mel Blanc. <laughs> What's up, Doc? Well, uh, does he say, what's up, Doc, like this? Eh, what's up, Doc? But, again, as a kid who saw this, grew up with it, you know, it's kind of like the kids who saw The Phantom Menace. Right. They, and they just don't care about Jar Jar Binks. Because they know? grew up with him. Yeah, they grew up with him, exactly. Yeah. This movie gets by purely by nostalgia. And it makes me curious about the movies that are out these days that we think are trash? What what movies are do you think are gonna kids are gonna look back on? Like like kids maybe like uh -huh. five, ten years old and just like, man, remember minions? That's when cartoons were great. Ba 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 na na ba 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 na 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 I mean, that is probably something that will be said. Oh my goodness. And we'll be the old people at the office, and they'll be like the younger 20-somethings are just getting hired. It's gonna get a resurgence of minion memes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I feel like I just have to keep restating that it's, I don't hate this movie. Like, I have all the movies to get vehement about, I'm like, eh, Space Jam's fine. Yeah, it's... I mean, it has so many nostalgia ties to it, just like when it came out historically with Michael Jordan's return to the NBA and Looney Tunes and the soundtrack. You know but, what? Yeah. If I was to assume 
how you think about this movie because obviously like what's I love about this is that we come from very different perspectives mm -hmm. on this. What I think your process of thinking about this movie is like I think it's like when I walk into my nephew's bedroom and I see the walls just plastered with Paw Patrol, cars, all these little kid things and I'm like, you know, I'm a grown adult and I have no attachment to any of these things. Right. But you're a little kid and you you know what? You gotta like little kid things. That is the last time I'm ever working with dogs or children. I'm gonna try to explain the appeal of Space Jam because it has perplexed me for years. Because <laughs> I love it, but I just don't know how to explain it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's simply because it takes you back to a time when a stupid 90-minute commercial with Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan was enough. Mm. We didn't have to care about right. plot or character or themes. None of those things are in Space Jam. It is all candy-coated nonsense. Oh yeah? Who says? There are some clever moments in the film. I do love Yes, because that is the standard of filmmaking, for there to be a film with some enjoyable moments. Right, right. Yes. The sum of its parts. Oh, you're being sarcastic. Yes. I do love how Marvin the Martian is the referee, because he's both an alien and a Looney Tune, so he's impartial. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, that's kind of an obvious choice, though, then. Like, we're gonna get to the referee. If only there was someone who was impartial. Oh, okay, here we go. It's a, it's a good decision, okay? Mar you know, Rodrigo was right. It's a marriage of good ideas. <laughs> I think the only technically impressive scene in the film is when Bugs and Daffy break into Michael Jordan's house. Yeah. Because then you get to see cartoon characters interacting with a live-action environment. Yes, and they did, like, with the sizing and the frame where it's, like, it's a full shot on them, but it's just, like, a corner of the floor. Yep, yep. And you yeah. see them interacting with the set, like, opening doors, picking up stuff. Mm -hmm. It's it's interesting to, to think about how all those shots are made. Like, how can they make a drawer come out? How can they have the arms? Yeah. Have the characters' arms, because you can tell just because it's such a close-up shot. The most interesting thing about the movie is, oh, I wonder how they got that drawer to open. <laughs> <laughs> how did they light that character? Yeah, it's just... Early in the commentary, uh, Joe Pitka makes comparisons with Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. He says that they didn't want it to be compared to that. Um, it's like, well, if you're going to choose that specific type of movie, then of course it's going to be compared yes. to it. What makes Roger Rabbit so visually interesting is that it's cartoons in a live-action setting, which is way more difficult to do than one person in a cartoon setting. Mm -hmm. So when, when Joe Pitka in the commentary track is talking about all these new technological advancements that make this so much easier to do, that's not the thing that made Roger Rabbit so compelling. It's mm -hmm. understanding how difficult yeah. it is to make something and just respecting the art of it. There's this term that came from Roger Rabbit. It's called bumping the lamp. It refers to that scene where they're in a little closet and someone hits a lamp and that lamp throughout this, the scene just goes back and forth and back and forth. And what that means for Roger Rabbit is that the animators have to take into account how he's lit 
every yeah. frame for that. It's like they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to do that, but they did, and that's just a testament to the the craft. Like Roger Rabbit revitalized animation. And Space Jam just coasting off of that. <sighs> it's a crying shame. We gotta get new agents. We're getting screwed. Do you have anything else to say? Um, I just wanna like talk about the thing the directors one of the other quotes from the director of the commentary. I'm gonna paraphrase this, but he talks about how you know, it took a lot for Michael Jordan to be in this movie because he's a busy guy and, you know, you have to work long hours on set and you, you come home and you crash on weekends. But he says, he goes, it was, it was, it's very grueling for him, possibly more grueling than the NBA. <laughs> like, are you sure about that, Mr. Director, that this was the biggest challenge that Michael Jordan has faced? <laughs> was making this movie. They talk about how the sets are so hot because of the film stock. They have to preserve the film stock. Yeah. So my guess is, just with the attitude of this movie, it's just like, okay, that's a good take. All right, let's finish. I'm, I'm sweating here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see all the sweat on Michael in the in the basketball scenes. It's just like, but oh, yeah. so much of it is just him standing around. But he's not bad. He's not Shaq in Kazam. I am Kazam! Where do you think you're going? Make your three wishes and I'm out of your face. Back in my box and not in this place. Wait, is that the movie that doesn't exist? No, that's... There's another movie with, um... Doesn't exist, but, like, there's multiple people who have been like, I very vividly remember this movie with Sinbad, where he played a genie. Right! And that movie doesn't <laughs> exist. Yes, it's in, in, in the Berenstein universe. It's Sinbad, and then in the Berenstein universe, it's Shaq. My name is Kazam, I got the whole plan. So listen to the man, cause I'm the Sultan of Sam. Yeah, so, uh, sorry 90s kids, this movie sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. You're allowed to love it, but it's not a good movie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, there's this great um, John Mulaney joke where he talks about like Scarface, how people love Scarface. Also, I don't like people lumping in Scarface with better movies. I have friends that'll be like, yeah, I like movies like The Godfather and Scarface. Oh yeah? Well, my favorite foods are lobster and Skittles. <laughs> that is my summary of this movie. It is, you're allowed to love things. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And I didn't like it, so. Yeah. Which you know is oddly refreshing. For me, because usually I'm the cynic right. that, that craps all over the movie, and you're just like, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, Matt. Just, just get off your high horse. Yeah. <laughs> but this one, I'm just, you know, my that little that little kid voice is just too strong, and my old man voice is just saying, "Bah humbug." <laughs> yeah. So everyone, direct your hate comments towards Ben. <laughs> Just plug my Instagram. <laughs> Please uh, send all hate comments to Ben's Instagram and his uh, photography page. <laughs> <laughs> that about wraps up the review. Any uh, any additional thoughts, Mr. Jordan? Can I go home now? Well, that's all, folks. We hope you enjoyed listening to our thoughts on Space Jam. Still can't believe Ben's one of the five millennials on the planet who hasn't seen it. I know you all have, so if you have any good arguments about why Space Jam is actually a cinematic masterpiece and not an 80-minute-long commercial, 
Tell us on our Facebook page, and I promise I will prove you wrong. Tune in next time for another deep dive into the bottom of the bin. What's next? Well, I'll give you a clue. This film is about a music competition where all the instruments are invisible. Did you know that Michael Jordan didn't make the team when he had tried out for basketball in high school? That's a fact that hasn't been shared except for by every gym teacher ever. (laughs) 